Amen. How many of you have heard the name Benjamin Kyle of the person, the man called Benjamin Kyle? The royal person, by the way. Benjamin Kyle. Okay, he was a man found beaten, naked, with blunt force, blunt force trauma on his head near a dumpster behind a Burger King in Georgia. That was back in 2004. But that's not the saddest part of the story. I think the saddest and the strangest part of the story is that he had no identification mark on him and he had lost all his memory. All he could remember was that, and this is what he said, that his name was Benjamin and he knew only three digits in his social security number and that was it. And so from 2004 to 2015, he lived as Benjamin Kyle. Kyle was the name because they had to enter a last name in, in the hospital and they just put Kyle and so he just took that name when he was there. So he had no criminal records, so the local police couldn't help him. They even took it to the FBI and the FBI could not help him. They did DNA testing and they still couldn't figure out who he was. There were a number of appeals on TV and the internet and nothing happened. No one could help ID him. So from 2004 to 2015, there was no missing persons report, nothing at all. Until finally in 2015, with the help of some genetic detective work, apparently, they were able to trace his ancestry because of his DNA to someone living in the 19th, early 19th century. That's 1800s. And to a person called Powell. Powell. And so they went from there and traced that person's history, I mean his genealogy, I guess, from there, kept going down until they could find his siblings who finally identified him, but it took 11 years to do that. His real name wasn't actually Benjamin. His real name was William Burgess Powell, and he was from Indiana. Doesn't know how he ended up in Georgia? Nothing at all. He still lives, and so now he's got, but what was really interesting and fascinating is this man struggled for 10 years in life without knowing who he really was. Made me realize one important thing. How important is it for us to know who we really are? Because if you read, it's a pretty sad story. I mean, he had, he had cataracts, so he thought he was only like 40, but when they had cataract surgery, he realized he was actually 60. Because when he finally saw himself in the, in, in, uh, in the mirror, so it's kind of interesting. How important is it to know who you are? Let me put it this way. When you know who you really are, it affects the way you live your life and influences every area of your life. Amen. Your identity is at the heart of who you are as a person. And if you read, I was just Googled identity theft because that's big right now especially with everything going online, 7 to 10% of the people had their identity stolen last year. And they say up to 33%, that's one in three people in America, have had their ID stolen at some point or the other. I remember a few years back, Heather and me, someone bought furniture somewhere in Carolina for $1,700 on our credit card. <laughs> it's like, was it us? I mean, the credit card company was good with, I mean, you know? But it happens all the time. A couple of days back, I got a call 
saying that my ID was used uh, to smuggle in contraband and drugs across the border in California, and I needed to call back this number at once. Yeah, I'd, I'll press one right now, otherwise you're going to be arrested. I'm like, they try it all the time now, goodness gracious. But it's just kind of interesting. People are trying to steal your ID all the time. And that's why, at the end of it, this is what it really boils down to as Christians, do we know who we are in Christ? Because knowing who you are defines and determines how you live your life. But please understand that there is a person who's constantly trying, constantly trying to get your focus of who you are in Christ and trying to focus on everything else. He wants to steal your real identity. He wants to diminish your true worth. He wants and tries his best to confuse confuse you and believe a lie. He doesn't want to know who you really are. He doesn't want to know who God made you to be. And simply because he doesn't want you to live in victory and in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. And so he uses hurt and pain and the past and trauma and basically beats you down into believing and living a lie. He uses the negative view of others and what people say about you to hold you down and tie you down and to live a defeated life. He uses the media and the culture to define and tell you how you are supposed to live your life and who you are supposed to look like and act like. He does all this for one reason, basically. He wants you to start believing what he has to say and not what God has to say about you. And this morning, I want to challenge you once again to know your true identity in Christ. To know what God says about you because that is the only truth. Because what God says about you and who you are in Christ is the only, the only truth. Knowing who you really are, who God made you to be, and knowing what God thinks about you is so important in life today. And this morning, it really, I'm not really sharing anything new, but I want to as means of encouragement and a reminder to know who you are in Christ. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter 2, and that's my basic verse that I'm launching out from. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, it's a familiar passage. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. Reading, of course, from the NIV. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Powerful verses that tell us who we really are. So I've titled my message, Who We Are in Christ. And number one, simple, in Christ, number one is I'm accepted. In Christ, I am accepted. 
That's the first thing we need to know about who we are in Christ, our identity, that we are completely accepted by God. Amen. And we need to understand this because most people will agree that the, some of the deepest wounds that we have in life come from rejection. And so we need to understand acceptance and how God accepts us. Because rejection hurts and we all will at some point or the other uh, experience rejection. Because of that rejection, people spend time, energy, money just to earn acceptance. Just to earn that words, those words of acceptance. I mean, we want to earn the acceptance of our parents. We want to earn the acceptance of our peers, our friends. We want to earn the ex acceptance and, and respect, if you want to call it that, from people who we really, I mean, we envy them, but we still want them to accept us. You know, and, and here's what someone told me the other day. I mean, it's not like I want to be BFFs with you. You know what BFFs is, right? Best friend forever. But at least acknowledge I exist. The need for acceptance is so great and we need to understand that in Christ we are accepted. Amen. We are accepted. I mean, it's so great because it influences this need to be accepted by people. It's so great it influences the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, the stuff we buy, and all the crazy things we do just to fit in. Most of you will understand, or some of you may understand the situation. I was always a year younger uh, to everybody in my class growing up in school. I just joined, not because I was smart, it was just because I joined, at that point they didn't have age restrictions, and so I just joined school early. That's it. But I know the pain of not being chosen on a team, you know. I wasn't the smartest, I wasn't the strongest, and definitely wasn't the most athletic person growing up through school. I had my growth spurt, I was five feet going through school. I had my growth spurt when I went to college for whatever reason, but oh well. <laughs> so I wasn't the smartest, strongest, most athletic person, and, and the good Lord knows how many times I prayed, God, don't let me be the last person picked. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't because there was always one person. I was always the second to last. There was always one person behind me who was picked last. But being chosen is good for your self-esteem. That's true. It's just truth. You know, as long as we don't let it get to our heads. Being chosen is a good thing. But here's the thing. We cannot allow being chosen and accepted by man to determine our worth. Why do I say that? Because our worth comes from God who knows us inside and out. Amen. Who knew us before we were born and we allow Him and His Word to determine how we live our lives because He accepts us. He accepts us. And here's the kicker. It's very often the people whom the world turns their backs on that He accepts and calls. Yeah, and He accepts us and He chooses us. He says we are a chosen people. God chose you for Himself. Amen. God chose me for Himself. I love what one pastor says. If God chooses you, if God likes you, and you like you, somebody else doesn't like you, that's their problem. Amen. I'm chosen by God. 
God chooses me. He accepts me. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, He chose us what? Before the creation of the world. That's the acceptance. Did you, do you realize what he's saying there? That God created this whole universe, but before he created the world, he chose us. He chose us. I mean, before he made the sun and the moon and the oceans and the air and everything else, he already chose us. He accepted us. Church, nobody may know who you are, but God knows who you are because he chose you and called you by name. Amen. He accepts us. Just like his love, please understand, and we'll talk about that pretty soon. God accepts us, not based on our performance at all. He accepts us because he created us. He created us. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what Christ did for us. It's not based on who you are. It's based on who God is. And Let me just throw this in there. God, yes, accepts us just the way we are, but he also expects us to be transformed into the likeness of his son. Amen. We are accepted in Christ. I am accepted. I don't have to go running after people to fit in. All I got to do is receive him. In Christ, I'm accepted. That's it. Second thing that I have, it's kind of related to the first, they all go together. Because you are in Christ, you have value. And so the word I use is valued. Accepted and valued. Your identity, it's you are accepted by God, but you are also priceless when it comes to in God's eyes. You are extremely valuable. Now people might say this, or people might say you are worthless, but God says you are priceless. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Amen. A people belonging to God. What gives us value? What gives us worth? It's because it, our value is from the fact that He chose us, that He's, the holy part is being set apart. He set us apart and we belong to Him. That's what gives us value. What makes something valuable? Very often, value depends on who owns the thing, correct? Or who owned the thing. One of the shows I loved when I first came to America was Pawn Stars. I need to say that carefully because with my Indian accent, I have been misunderstood before. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> on the History Channel, Pawn Stars. And they had, they had this spoon. How much is a, a spoon worth, really? Not much. I mean, you can get it for 50 cents in, in the dollar store. You get two for a dollar. But they had a spoon that was made by Paul Revere. And I didn't know who Paul Revere was. So once that was happening, because that spoon sold for $24,000. And so I had to go look up who Paul Revere was. And then I found out, maybe, maybe you know. The value of that spoon didn't lie in its what it was. The value lay in who had it, who owned it, who used it. I saw a Les Paul, I mean a Gibson guitar sold for like $110,000 for a guitar. And I'm like, what? The value lies in who owned it. You can own a pair of shoes, Air Jordans, but theirs will never. I mean, the shoes, if, if Michael Jordan or LeBron James wears the shoes, those shoes are way more valuable even though you have the same pair. 
Because the value depends on who owns it. You get where I'm going with this right now? The value of something depends on who it belongs to. You are valuable because you are in Christ and you belong to God. That's what gives us value. Because we belong to God. Deuteronomy, he tells the Israelites, you are my treasured possession. It's the same promise for us today. We are his treasured possession. We have worth. We have value. I belong to God and it actually gets better because God is, I'm valuable because God is my father and I'm his son. Amen. I mean, you, I've seen this at least a couple of times. You know, we, I was at this uh, coffee place and drinking coffee and all of a sudden a guy walks in and, you know, he just walks in and he walks right back to where everybody is. And, and you got to stop. And like, what's happening really? Is he working there? He wasn't working because everybody's running and trying to help him out and everything else. And then I asked the guy who was there, who's this person? Oh, he's the owner's son. It makes a difference who you belong to. Now realize you belong to God. He is your father and you are his son. Now live your life like the son and the daughter of the most high God. That's the value. That's the value. You are an heir to the kingdom. That adds value to my life. When I realize whose son I am, it changes the way I live my life. I don't live in fear. I don't live in intimidation because I am the son of the most high God. Now that sounds ridiculous, but that's who I am because that's what the word says about me. So the people who told you that you are worthless are wrong. Don't believe the lie. You are valuable Another reason I say this is you are valuable because you have purpose. Your parents may have thought you're a mistake. You are not a mistake because God created you for a purpose. When you have a purpose, you have value. I always think about, you know, uh, here's the thing. When you have a purpose in your life, you realize that you are valuable. I always think about this. Uh, this example, there was the dishwasher had gone out and was leaking and everything else. And so I, I was trying to fix it. Best teacher is YouTube. YouTube, you can YouTube anything and fix anything nowadays. But so I was fixing it and I arranged, I, I, I arranged all the parts slowly. And of course, I have a four-year-old son who loves to help. And the small parts have value. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I laugh at this every time. You know, when they can't help, they want to help. And when they're grown enough to help, you don't find them around, right? (laughs) Yes, Daniel, Tristan. It's true. When you want their help, they disappear. When they're capable of helping, you know, they can't, you don't find them around. But you realize how that small thing, though as small and insignificant as it looks, it has a purpose. And without that, the dishwasher is not going to work. There is a purpose when you realize you, as small as you are and insignificant you are in what, 7 billion people. When you realize God has put a purpose in your life, created you for a purpose, then you realize you are worth it. You have a value because God has created you for a purpose, a unique purpose that only you can fulfill. I can't do it. Your parents can't do it. Your siblings can't do it. Only you can do it if you choose to live in obedience in Christ. You fulfill the purpose to which he has called you. That's when you find your worth. 
in Christ, you are not worthless. You are priceless. You are accepted and you are valued. Number three. You're accepted, you're valued. Number three, you are loved. Now I can preach, and we can preach for years on this one topic. You are loved because you are in Christ. In spite of what people say, you are lovable. That's just the truth. Sometimes we think nobody can love me because I'm such a jerk. God doesn't look at you that way. When you are in Christ, you have, you are accepted, you are valued, and you are loved. It says once you were not a people, okay, you didn't have any identity. Basically, you, you're kind of nothing, but now you are the people of God. Once you had no mercy, but now you have received mercy. I mean, it's kind of interesting. When you, when you accept Christ into your heart, if you want to call it that, when you, when you accept Christ and what he has done, you become part of his family, right? You become part of his family, and the family is called the church. And as all families are flawed, the church is flawed too. But he is never going to kick you out of his family. Amen. You are loved. You will always be loved. Even though you go do your own thing, like that prodigal son, he will always love you. He will always be there for you. You are loved by God. And the Bible, Jeremiah, it says what? I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting. It doesn't run out. It doesn't stop. It lasts forever. He always, he's always going to love you. I love that song, what his love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. That's what it says. His love lasts forever. It's an unfailing, unfailing love. As much as we love people and people love us, People, that love will fail. They will hurt us. They will give up on us. But God's love will never give up on us. You are loved. Amen. You are loved. And, and remember, it's unconditional. It's unconditional. You know, I, there is no, uh, I love you, uh, because we see this all the time. I love you if something, you know. Yeah. That's conditional. Oh, I love you because something. But what, what if that cause changes, you know? Are you going to stop? No, God's love is in spite of who we are. He loves us with an everlasting love. It's unconditional. I love you because I created you. That's it. I formed you in your mother's wombs. Mother's womb. God's love for us is not dependent, again, on our performance. It's based on who He is. It's unconditional and what the part I love the best, it is consistent. It is consistent. Simply means it's not unpredictable. Now, some of us grew up with unpredictable parents, you know, inconsistent parents. And I heard one, one man joke about it. I don't know if my father was going to slug me or hug me. And I totally get it because my dad was exactly like that too before he got saved, really. I never knew what my dad would react like because he didn't know. It depended on his mood, right? Thank God he's not moody. He loves us. He loves us just the way we are. He loves us. You don't have to ever ask the question, will God love me today? Will he really love me today? You don't have to ask, you know. You don't have to ask. And, and, and I think one of the biggest weapons the devil uses to mess us up is he points to the situation we are in. 
right? He points to that situation we are in, whether it's by our own stupidity or what happens in life. He points to that and he questions. He makes you question, does God love you now? Don't fall for that. When he puts that doubt, does God really care? Remember, he loves you unconditionally, forever. It's everlasting love. We know that song, that hymn, that what? The steadfast love of the Lord never, what? Ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He loves us. We are loved because we are in Christ. We are accepted. We are valued. We are loved. Again, let me repeat that. It's not based on our performance. It's based on who he is. Number four. Accepted, valued, loved. The fourth one is forgiven. Totally, totally forgiven. A big dry race. You just imagine it, wiping out that whole board. That's what it is. Totally, totally forgiven. At one time you did not know God's mercy, it says, but now you have received his mercy. That's what forgiveness is all about. Amen. Before, you know, we live with the guilt, the shame, condemnation, and everything else. But when we come into Christ, he wipes it away. Because that's what forgiveness is. That's what forgiveness is. And you realize this, that God, God's plan for forgiveness, let me put it this way. Now, God planned to forgive you before you were even born. Does that make sense? That's just part of his nature. Here's the kicker, though. You've got to accept that forgiveness. He forgives everybody, but people have to come to him and acknowledge it and accept it, too. Forgiveness. Because we are in Christ, we are forgiven as far as what? The east is from the west. That's how far he's wiped it away, our transgressions. And here's the thing. Some people and some even Christians, you know, they accept Christ's forgiveness, but they don't realize what grace is about. They accept Christ's forgiveness, but they still live under the burden of condemnation and sin because they listen to the lies of the enemy and not what God says in his word. There is no condemnation, the Bible says. God is never going to treat his kids, never going to hold it over your head. You did this in 1984, and so this is what he's... He's never going to do that. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God does not carry a grudge, amen? He doesn't. He doesn't stick it to you when you're down and out. He forgives past, present, and future. You cannot earn God's love. You cannot earn his forgiveness. All you got to do is come to him in humility and accept it. Please don't forget, we cannot earn it. God, you know, somehow we have this, you know, I have so much bad and I have so much good and I hope at the end of my life I've done more good than bad and God's going to accept me and love me and everything else. No, it's wiped away because of what Christ has done, because of the blood of Christ. That's what it is. That's what wipes away our sins. Cannot be earned, paid in full by Christ. That's the point. That's why I enjoy his forgiveness. Accepted, valued, loved, Forgiven, number five, empowered. Because I am in Christ, I am supernaturally empowered. This is a big one because 
you know, the supernatural empowerment is the promise that He gives of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Amen. We will receive the power, right? The Holy Spirit living within us. The empowerment that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. And again, you know this, we know this. Don't limit it. Let's never limit it to the outward manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Never just limit it to... You know, we believe in tongues, we believe in prophecy, we believe in healing and everything else. But that doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't, God's power just doesn't stop there. It's the supernatural empowerment that He gives us to live every day victoriously. That's the purpose. Live life victoriously. I mean, we don't have to, please, I mean, I'm a little... Let me be honest, with everything that's going on in our country right now, I, I, I'm not discouraged, I'm disappointed because I think sometimes the church, not sometimes, we've been guilty of this. We focus on so many other things other than preaching the gospel of Christ. That's it. Preach the gospel. Keep it simple. Amen. I don't know how many signs, you holding up a sign against, please don't hear my heart here, holding up a sign against abortion or gay rights, how many people's lives have been transformed by that? But I know a number of people's lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'd rather preach the gospel than go join a rally somewhere else. Now, please don't get me wrong. Let's stick to what God, you read the gospel, I mean, you read the gospels. Sorry, I'm digressing from my sermon, but this is so in my heart right now. Before you have the gospels, you have the disciples. What do they want? They want, they keep asking Christ, is this the hour you're going to come and overthrow these people now? Okay, God, now let's use our power. Why? Let's call down fire and burn those people down. And I heard and I've, some of these videos online on these great pastors calling down curses on everybody. That's not why we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's to be witnesses of what? The gospel of Christ. Amen. But somehow we think we've got to be like, we are like those disciples. I want to sit on the right. I want to sit on the left. You know, and they have no idea what Christ's real mission is. But when they realize what Jesus does on the cross in the book of Acts, you never see them doing that. That's when they're all about what? Laying their life down. Being persecuted willingly. Acts, Paul says, Paul is persecuted a hundred times. Like, that's what it talks about. That's what transforms lives. That's when the church grew. That's when the Lord added to their numbers. Because what? They preached the gospel of Christ. Let's keep the message simple, church. Don't get me wrong. We stand for the truth and everything else. But let's never forget the gospel. We say things on social media right now. Preach the gospel. The gospel will always, has always, and will always offend people. That's just the truth. But we preach the gospel of Christ and Christ crucified. We talked about this in Galatians. That's it. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit isn't to call down curses on people, church. It's to live victorious Christian lives. That's what it means to be in Christ. Christ in me. That's the same thing. The power that he gives us to live victorious, victorious Christian lives. Now, that doesn't mean, again, yes, this is what I explained to a young person just, just a couple of weeks back. Because he was talking about, you know, the supernatural and everything else. I believe the Lord works supernaturally every single time we gather together in worship. Sometimes we see it manifest outwardly. I love that saying, you know, that facts don't care about your feelings. Truth 
doesn't care about your feelings. The truth is, where two or three are gathered, he is here. Right? If you don't feel it, is it God's problem? That's it. That's it. You don't have to wait for that feeling, church. We've got to believe what his word says. His word is true. I stand on his word. I feel his presence. Whether I f- Let me say it this way. It doesn't matter whether I feel his presence or not. He is still going to be there with me. Amen. I don't have to feel the anointing to know whether I'm anointed or not. His Holy Spirit, he ain't going to take it away in the middle. He's there to stay. Amen. Whether we feel it or not, it's not dependent on our feeling. It's based on the word of God. And he says he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So let's quit living our lives that God has abandoned us and everything else. Let's live. That's why the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to give us that affirmation, that confirmation that he is with us. Amen. That's what it is about. We live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We hold on to the authority of scripture more than anything else. And we live under the anointing that comes from His Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. It's the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. The ability to live our lives no matter what the devil throws at us. No matter what the world throws at us. We can stand there and take a stand. Because we say, greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. That's why He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. To take a stand against everything the devil throws at us. Again, don't get me wrong. and We will never... Stop the move of the Holy Spirit. But let's hold on to the promise. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We live lives more than conquerors. We can't do that in our own strength. We do that only in the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot fight the world on your own, church. You cannot fight the world in your own strength. It's Christ in us. That's what gives us that Holy Spirit in us that empowers us. You don't, that's what I, I told this person finally, you don't have to run and hide because you have the greatest power on earth in the universe living inside of you. Amen. That's why we have, when I talk about supernatural, supernaturally empowered, it's the empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit. That is what gives us joy in the midst of sorrow Peace in the midst of unrest, hope in the midst of all the gloom, light in the midst of the darkness that surrounds us, security in the midst of uncertainty, the ability to love in the midst of hatred, courage in the midst of fear, strength in the midst of weakness. That is the power of God living inside of me. Now why do we need to go looking for someone to do something and speak and everything else of our lives? That's what it is right now. Live with the power of God. Live. With God living inside of you. Your identity, church. What is your identity today? I mean, I can go on and on and on. I cannot imagine living my life one day in my own strength without the power of God. I will not make it very far. We depend totally on the power of the Holy Spirit. We are people who live with the power of the Holy Spirit. What is your identity, church? I mean, there's so much. This is just such a limited list. I know without Christ, I am nothing. But because I am in Christ, I'm accepted. I don't go running for people to accept me. I'm valued. I don't allow my possessions to give me value. I'm valued because I know I belong to God. I'm loved unconditionally and consistently Not because of what I do, but because of a God who is love. I am forgiven 
regardless the past, present, and future, because He sent His Son to die in my place. Amen. I'm empowered and don't live in fear because Christ in me is the hope of glory. Now, you may have been rejected your whole life, and I, I, and I get that, you know. You may have been looked down your whole life, and you may have felt, and people may have made you feel like you are nobody. We encourage you today. Don't listen to what people say. Don't go by your feelings. Go by the truth of what Amen. God says in His Word. Amen. I'm going to end with this. Studies show that Studies show that your self-identity is determined largely by what you think the people that matter to you the most think about you. Let me say that again. Studies show that your identity, a large part of it, comes from what you think or what the people in your life think about you, right? The people who matter to you, the people who are important in your life think about you. That's how you get your self-worth. And so let me challenge you and encourage you. Make Jesus the most important person in your life because what he says about you determines your identity. That's the challenge, church. It's not who, what my parents say. It's not what my friends say. It's not what the world says. It's what he says. It's not what even I say in self-condemnation. It's what he says. I belong to God. I belong to God. It comes down to this. I in Christ and Christ in me. I in Christ and Christ in me. I decided a long time ago to give my life in God's hands. Long time back. Because I knew I on my own will screw it up. What gives me value, what gives me acceptance, what gives me love, what really shows me true love, what gives me forgiveness, what empowers me is the fact that I belong to God and I am in His hands. I love this poem and I've used it several times and if I've used it here, excuse me. A basketball in my hands is worth $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands sold for $33 million. All depends on whose hands it's in. A baseball in my hands is worth $6. A baseball in Mark McGuire's hands is worth $19 million. It all depends on whose life or whose hands it's in. A rod in my hands will keep a wild animal away. A rod in Moses' hand part the mighty sea. It depends whose hand it's in. A slingshot in my hand is a kid's toy. A slingshot in David's hand dropped a mighty giant. It depends whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hand is just a couple of fish. It's just a sandwich. Two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hands feeds 5,000 people. It depends whose hands it's in. Nails in my hand might produce a birdhouse. Nails in Jesus' hands produce salvation. 
for the entire world. It depends whose hands it's in. As you see now, it depends whose hands your life is in. Because that's at work. So put your concerns, put your worries, put your fears, put your hopes, put your dreams, put your families, put your relationships, put your life in God's hands because that's all that matters at the end of the day. I choose to give my life in God's hands because I am who I am because of Christ in me. Accepted, valued, loved, forgiven and empowered. Stand to our feet at this time. Church, there's nothing new. If you've been in church long enough, you know every single thing I've said. But this is just a, a reminder and an encouragement. Life, your life in your hands doesn't end well. Your life in God's hands makes a difference. Rejected your whole life, you're accepted by God. You yourself might think you're worth nothing, but in Christ, realize you have a purpose and you have value because you belong to Him. You are loved with an everlasting love that's unconditional, that's consistent. It's not based on what you do, it's based on who He is. You are forgiven. Again, it's not something you earn, it's something you just learn to humble yourself and accept. And you are empowered by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, that you can take a stand against anything the world of the devil throws at you. The key is Christ in you. Let's worship the Lord in a couple of minutes, church. Reflect on what we've just talked about. Surrender my life to your promise.
church, let me encourage you once again. If you find your life in Him, because He is more, more than enough. Every situation you face, He is enough. He is sufficient. Find your identity in Christ and in Him alone. God. Lord, we thank you, God. Lord, this morning we once again dedicate our lives to God and surrender to you, Lord. You're all we need, Lord. We will find our identity in you. Because in you, God, we are accepted, God. We are valued. We are loved, forgiven, and empowered, Lord. Lord, we don't want to live our lives on our own, God. We need you, God. And we need you more more of you in our lives, Lord. More of you in our lives, God. Father, we thank you once again, Lord. We thank you, God, because our lives are secure in you. I pray, God, that you will, God, just keep speaking to us, Lord, challenge us, Lord. I pray, God, that your praise will always be on our lips. We thank you, God, because you have given us, God, lives, and you have called us to live lives, God victoriously. We thank you, God. Lord, I pray, God, that once again, Lord, as we go from here, God, we live in the victory that comes, God, the victory that was won on that cross, Lord, and we will live in the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells richly in each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the, with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Amen.